Hey, it's Bartender Journey, podcast number 69. I'm Vince, and we're the podcast that talks all about bartending. Today I have part two of my interview with the great bar owner and bartender Jorg Meyer. He owns two bars in Hamburg, Germany. Hopefully you heard last week's show, which was part one of my interview with him, and we had such a great conversation, a nice long talk, and uh, I split it up into two podcasts, so this will be the second part. When I spoke to him via Skype, he was in Moscow judging the Bacardi Legacy competition, which is a bartender competition there, and uh, he's a super nice guy, knowledgeable guy, and uh, I had a great time speaking with him, so uh, I can't wait to play you the second part of that interview. But first, a little news from the Manhattan Cocktail Classic, which is a great multi-day um, extravaganza that goes on all over Manhattan and, uh, in fact, all five boroughs of, of New York City. I attended a couple events, and uh, I met some cool people. There's some cool stuff going on. People are making whiskey and spirits everywhere, including uh, the Bronx. The Bronx, New York. I hadn't heard of this before, but there's a distillery in the Bronx called Tarado, I believe is the way you pronounce it. And uh, they're making some really good whiskeys up there in the Bronx. So that was cool. I met Matt Yeager, who's a real nice guy. He runs the Albany Distilling Company, and he's making some great whiskeys up in Albany, New York. I met Paul Ryan, who's making vodka in downtown L.A., and he's a super nice guy. I enjoyed speaking with him, and uh, he's making a great vodka there in downtown L.A. So it's, it's such a cool thing, um, all these little distilleries popping up literally everywhere. I took a couple of classes. One was called Creating a Profitable Work Environment, and it was all about um, bar management mostly, and uh, I took a lot of notes, so uh, maybe we'll come back and even talk about this one day. Uh, maybe one day when Vano's here with me in the studio, we'll talk about all this stuff. There's lots of notes here, but there's great stuff. Uh, create a culture of excellence. Then it should be pretty much hands-off. I think that's a great idea for management style. You know, Create a culture where uh, everything works perfectly. They talked a lot about um, having procedures in place, training in place, um, hiring the right type of people that are passionate and, uh, and constantly educating them and keeping, keeping them interested. And, and uh, I couldn't agree more with, with their style of, of management. I think it's great. So uh, maybe we'll talk more about that stuff. I took another class called Developing Your Palate. And uh, that's all about um, flavors, um, memory triggers, as they call it, picking um, specific flavors out of whatever it is you're drinking or eating. And uh, that, that was fun. Uh, one, one thing that stands out about that was uh, they talked about the difference between taste and flavor in a drink or applies to food too. Um, a taste includes what they call tactile properties like mouthfeel, sensations, uh, the um, – drinkability of it, how how pleasing it is on the palate, where flavor is um, just one element of taste. <laughs> they, they were talking about uh, coming up with new cocktail recipes and standing behind the bar and uh, mixing up th- new, new ideas. And uh, then they said, you know what we had to do was actually step away from the bar, walk over to one of the cocktail tables, put my back to the bar, and experience it in a whole different way. And I thought that was really cool and interesting. You know, they said it tasted totally different. When I was, he said, when I was making it behind the bar, I thought it was great. When I sat down uh, in a different context, uh, I needed to change it. Um, so, uh, I thought that was pretty neat. They talked about controlled experiments. So, uh, for instance, uh, using say in Manhattan, for instance, use all the same ingredients except for, um, a different vermouth each time and see how it affects your drink, um, based on that one, uh, different ingredient, everything else the same, change one ingredient to a different brand, for instance, and, uh, see how it comes out. That was cool. All right, let's get back into that interview with Jorg Meyer. As you hopefully heard on the show last week uh, in part one of the interview, he's a bar owner from Hamburg, Germany. He owns 
in English you would say Le Lion Bar de Paris, or as he uh, so gracefully says, Le Lion, I can't say it, Le Lion de Paris, and uh, that one world's best new cocktail bar in 2008 at Tales of the Cocktail. And in 2013, it was called one of the 50 best bars in the world by Drinks International Magazine. And I would love to go there someday, but it's a little far from New York. One day. So uh, anyway, and uh, I would really love to share a drink with Mr. Meyer. He's a super nice guy. So uh, listen in to our interview and uh, here you go. I do uh, research for also for Bacardi on them. Um, it's called Club de Cantineros. It used to be one of the most powerful and respected bartender organizations of the past. And it was a bartender organization from Cuba. It was founded in 1924 and went to revolution and then it was cut off. And the interesting thing is uh, when you dig in the history of Cuba, I mean, with the beginning of prohibition, that was game-changing for Cuba because there was a boom. Right. There was because everybody was going to Havana, right. get drunk from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then go back to work for the America. <laughs> so there are very interesting stories in, in this time when you dig in Cuban history about prohibition because if it's banned in America, they start to go somewhere else. Right. Well, Americans will always find a way. So I'm interested how you became... Shh, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dog again. So shut up. Uh, I'm interested how you uh, got involved with Bacardi because, of course, this is my ultimate goal to uh, travel, be paid to travel around the world, uh, going to cocktail competitions and things. I think you're on a good way because I think it's all about uh, a little bit about. Uh, I mean, people start uh, listening to your podcast, so you became uh, or you become uh, somebody known in the industry. So right. I think. You're, you're on the white ray, so I think it's just a, t- a question of time. So there, there's not far away. I can smell the travel already. You know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, that mm-hmm. was uh, that was kind of our goal when we started. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's cool. I mean that's uh, so for Bacardi. Um, you have to know the the German head of Bacardi is in Hamburg, which you know it's next to to us, not far away. Oh, really. And I dig 10 years ago in 2004, I was in Havana and found these books of the old Cuban Bartender Association mm-hmm. and started to look for Club de Cantineros all over the world, like on a, on a digital way, like internet and find old books and buy them all over the world. Mm. And so I started to dig in the history. And the interesting thing was that uh, Bacardi uh, was the first rum sponsor of the club. So when they were founded in 1924, Bacardi was the first rum sponsor. They had a few sponsors like Coca-Cola, Bacardi, and a few other companies who does not exist anymore. Mm. And so there's a very natural relationship between Bacardi and this club. So at one point, I started to talk to them and said, this is interesting, maybe for your heritage or for your archives, there is a very cool story on Cuban bartenders and a very famous bartender organization and there is some natural relation to your brand so maybe you're interested in the story Mm. and they liked it and then they decided okay if you are interested to travel a little bit and tell the story so that's how I started a relationship with Bacardi and I have to say I like you know you have many of the global players and we do a few works for, for, for all of them but Bacardi I like because it's a family-owned business. And as an owner, I always like if it's not a stock company. So I, I, I get in touch with lots of family members. And it's now already like six or seven years I work with them. And 
it's on a very cool level. It's just, you know, they, they like the things I can add to the history uh, from the Cuban side. And so they invited me, they start inviting me. And then, for example, here in Russia now, I'm, I'm a judge. I think it's a little bit, I'm also a little bit respected because of the awards we won. So bartenders respect us because we have won several awards. So they say, okay, these people must be good. So he's allowed to judge us because mm -hmm. I, always, I only did one competition in my life. That was when I was very young. That was a local IBA thing, and I hated it to death. And I, I hated the, the judges. I think they were all ridiculous and idiots. Mm -hmm. And so I decided never to do a competition again. Uh -huh. So and finally I become a judge. So I, I try to take this serious and make it like fair and transparent. And yeah. That's so, cool. but this is how how Bacardi how we started this relationship. And I do trainings on Club de Cantineros, talk about old Cuban history. And this, for example, it's a very interesting. The idea we have from Cuba, in my opinion, is a little bit like, yeah, maybe glamorous is the wrong word, but it's a little bit wrong. You know, it's always like daiquiri and mojitos, and this, these have been drinks in Cuba, and they are very famous. But when you look in the old books, especially shortly before the revolution came, the, the art of batting was extremely high in Havana. And these, these elite club, Club de Candelos, there was a kind of elite. Uh, they just, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't take anybody. They, you know, they had special rules to become a member and they take care that the members are the best of the industry. They, for example, in the hustling times of Havana, they made sure that they just work eight hours a day and six days a week, which was unusual for bartenders, but they were possible because they listen. We are the best. If you want to have the best in your bar, in your hotel bar, in your club, wherever, mm -hmm. accept our rules. So they made their own social network. It was very interesting to see how powerful they become. For example, the industry, rum and also beer was very big in uh, Havana at this time. They gave them so much money. They had their own clubhouse and later on they had their own, um, how you call it, beach club uh -huh. you know, with their own ships. So bartender could have a day off at the beach club in Havana. And that was just for bartenders, wow. for their members. That was paid by the industry. And dear industry, if you listen to this podcast, don't stop it. Do it again, please, for bartenders. I like that, you know. And wow, this is an interesting awesome. story. Yes, yeah, very cool story. Digging in the history, they have, for example, they had plenty versions of daiquiri, which is a little bit unknown. For example, they, which I really like, which we serve lots of in our bars, called the Santa Marta. And this is a daiquiri. It's topped with uh, eau de vie de Kirsch. Mm. Make a daiquiri and do one bar spoon of eau de vie de Kirsch on top. It's mm. game-changing. It's very interesting, very simple, but very interesting. Wow, that sounds great. I, we need one of those beach clubs for bartenders around here. That would yes, be awesome. here we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like that. That's uh, so you you kind of made your own luck by uh, you went you approached Bacardi with something uh, substantial that uh, that was worth something to them, and I think that's that's you a know, great I, way. There's, I mean, as a bartender, I think it's it's tricky sometimes to work for a brand because, for example, we have no contracts with any brand in our bars because I think that's not a good way to be a top end bar because I think you should be free just to choose the best product you think which is possible for you and your customers and not something maybe you have a contract with. Right. And on the other side, I like this cooperation because it's just we talk about history and I like the heritage of Bacardi. I love it. It's a, it's a really cool story. Mm -hmm. For example, there are, I mean, Bacardi is a super huge company and I mean, they put Bacardi on lots of bottles where some mango juice and some, you know, they have all these fruit mixes and this is not things I like. Right. It's also part of their game. That's okay. But I'm right. really, I, I love the the heritage and i think they have a really cool story to tell yeah i think you know honestly until i started um 
corresponding with you. I didn't. I I always assumed Bucardi was a very big, large corporation. I I didn't know that it was a family-owned operation. I think uh, it's the biggest family-owned. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the biggest family-owned. Was is rum a hard sell in Germany? I mean, I I assume that's not something that's uh, common to uh, to the uh, general public. So I'm not like the the super guy who's reading all the Nielsen reports, so I don't know the official numbers. I know that vodka, I think maybe it's still the biggest in general. But when you come to a classic bar or to a high-end bar, gin is in the moment the hot thing ever. Mm -hmm. And then you have rum and American whiskey. Mm -hmm. And American whiskey, we have a problem. So like the the Boilerman bars concentrating on highballs and the focus is American whiskey and um, the problem with American whiskey is for us it's becoming very rare and very expensive. So yeah. many stuff is kept for the U.S. because the market is already, you know, you need it in your own country. So they don't send it away, which is a little bit, we are, we are a little bit angry about this. We like to get more <laughs> stuff here. <laughs> no, well, some, a lot of things are getting hard to get around here too, you know. Some of the, um, some of the high-end bourbons and, uh, yeah, there's... It's becoming super expensive. Like. Yeah, it is. And uh, you, you probably heard the big controversy with Maker's Mark and they were going to dilute the... Uh, they were, they were going to sell it at a lower proof, but then the, the, the public kind of revolted against that and they, they went back. So now they're, now they're opening a second... Uh, I think they just opened this, the second distillery. They, they sort of doubled their capacity. Um, so it's, but it's, it's an exciting time for the, for the industry. I'm, I'm really excited about the little craft distilleries, you know, and, uh, have you tried, uh, Hudson whiskey? Yep. That's, uh, that's quite close to where I live about an hour, about an hour away. And yeah, I, I've, I've spotted it because of your podcast and you talk about this. So, and I've seen somewhere you did a video or something. I've seen it somewhere. Oh yeah. 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 Actually I was applying for, uh, Brand ambassador for Hudson Whiskey, and they wanted a video, and uh, they didn't take you. Uh, yeah, we got down to the twenty-five finalists or whatever, but they went with somebody else, unfortunately. But so I, the, I they made a big perfect. mistake. They made a big mistake. Thank you. I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. Yes. Dear Hudson people, listen. Still make it, you know. Call him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I'm a. Uh, I'm ready, willing, and able when when they uh, realize their mistake. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I don't want to take up your whole afternoon here. I know you have. No, it's uh, fine. I'm, I'm, I oh, said okay. everybody, you know, we have to stop drinking. I need to do a serious podcast. <laughs> what uh, what's this event like that you're at? So this is the uh, the finals of the Bacardi Legacy Cocktail Competition, mm. and uh, you know, many of the major brands have like cocktail events or competitions to attract like the top bartenders. Yeah, and this is the one from Bacardi. I have to say I like the philosophy they do because um, the philosophy, is because they call it legacy, is to create a drink like, let's say, a daiquiri who has become a legacy, um, which is very simple and you must produce them all over the world. So these are the rules and you have to use Bacardi Superior, which we know is a white rum and is the, that's why they became famous because they have been the first rum producer in the world making rum smooth. But today, people hunting down a little bit like aged, and which is fine. I like aged rum, so mm-hmm. but this is more tasteful. So a white rum, you know, normally a, a very good bartender or a mixologist or whatever would maybe not choose a white rum for a drink, right. maybe from Martinique because it has more taste. But a, a, a regular white rum is a little bit plain, so it's a very thin taste, fine the fine taste. Um, so I think it's very hard to create a drink. And then the other rule is you are only allowed to use ingredients you can get all over the world. Mm. 
And I think that is really for this modern bartender events. You know, normally when you go to other events, they can choose from the finest spirits, the luxury brands, and then they can use all the wicked ingredients and they can use their homemade infusions. And then you sit in front of them as a judge and you think, okay, that <laughs> is a kind of interesting drink, but you will never do this in a bar again. Exactly. And this is what I like on these events, that they make it very classy and they say, okay, you have to create something. It's not easy. Believe no. me, it's not easy to create a taste with Bacardi Superior, which is unusual and which will impress people in the, because the judges are all like, you know, they're very good people. They know the, the trade. So it's, I think it's a very hard competition. And what I like is they always make, that's a little bit like when you work with a family, it's, it's a little bit like a family event. So they always, last year was in Miami and Puerto Rico, so they always invite you for one whole week. And mm. so the next three days, it's just trainings in a very nice way. They invite very interesting speakers from all over the world and just train and you know, inspire the bartenders. Mm. And then you have two days of competition, you have a semi-final and then you have a final. And what I like, for example, they put a day extra just for you to hang out and yeah. talk about the event. And it's very, it's it's a nice, it's a nice event. I like that. That's cool. Well, what kind of uh, what kind of cocktails are people coming up with with these uh, very I have tough no restrictions? Yet. Huh? I have no oh. idea. Oh, you don't know yet? <laughs> no, no. The finals is on Thursday. Oh, yeah. okay. So just getting started. Yeah that, yeah, that that is a tough thing to come up with something new with uh, ingredients that are common because you know it's like I mean. Still, I mean, there are a few, for example, you can do your own infusion, but it has to be uh, reproducible, like simple. Mm -hmm. You can say, I want a, I don't know, chamomile sugar or something, when it's just like sugar, hot water, and chamomile, can, everybody can do this. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to create a little bit unusual taste, but it has to be simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a tough thing because you know it's funny. I was I was out um, Friday night in in Manhattan and went to a bunch of different bars and uh, I tried tried some high end kata at that Brown Derby, which was great, and and I, I tried some unu unusual things. But uh, in the end, I ended up with uh, Bullet Rye on the rocks. <laughs> That's what I felt like. You know, I, I think it's a good rye. I like that. I like it too. I like it too. But it's so. What's your favorite bar in New York? Or your favorite? I, think, I, I, I probably. Well, my favorite is uh, going from the White Horse Tavern, which is maybe 150 years old, and then uh, going cross street to employees only. So that that's a good <laughs> that's a good night. Those two those that combination. You know. That sounds like an awesome combination. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. The selection you have in New York. That's amazing. Yeah, there's some. You know, I I tried to get into PDT the other day, and it was um, you know, it was only about six thirty in the afternoon. It wasn't late at night, but the line went out the door. You know, it, there was no way you were getting in there. Events, no problem. I mean, this is run by our friend Jim. Yeah. We oh, have you his know him. Number. We have his noble number. We sent you the mobile number, and we said. Bring him in. Okay. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, very well. He's a very cool guy. I like him. Yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to meet him or even get into his bar. <laughs> <laughs> and that is always tricky. It's the same with us with Lolion. If you have limited space, yes. it's very dangerous that people don't get angry and, you know, like start hating you. At first they love you and then one time you have to say, oh, I'm sorry, it's just very crowded. Right. But then the concept is, you know, then they start like, Mm, they don't like me. And they say, no, it's not about liking you, it's just crowded. Yeah. But some people take these things very serious. And say, what, am I and not good enough to get into back, your bar? 
that's it especially if one had already one drink before in another bar and is in a good mood yeah. it's tricky and then you need to uh, I mean we started to talk about this in the beginning then you need the experienced bartender you know the guy who can handle this the, the guy who can give the, the customer a good feeling and you know make him understand that it's not about him it's just crowded and yeah. it's tricky it's well, tricky. PDT doesn't let any more people in than they have bar souls. Yeah, and uh, that's that's quite an unusual maybe, thing. Maybe 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 you break the rule and bring your own bar stool. You say, "Hey, I have, <laughs> can I come in?" <laughs> there you go. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> bring my own hot dog too. <laughs> uh, oh, but they, the hot dogs they are very good. <laughs> after the third or fourth drinks, they become extremely delicious. <laughs> What do you remember a uh, specific uh, drink that Jim maybe maybe made you that uh, that was memorable? Whoa, that is a long time ago. Um, I, I like many of his drinks, so no. I, I mean, I, I, he was becoming famous for these uh, for the fat washed uh, thing with the bourbon. The uh, Don Lee, his one of his bartenders, used to infuse bourbon with with fat with lard. Yeah, in a very interesting way. That is very. It's an interesting taste. The string yeah. become very, but but that was a few years ago. I think it was like four or five years ago. That was very very interesting. That is cool. I, I've been meaning to try that. Um, infuse uh, bourbon with butter, and that that's, yeah. that, that sounds really fun. <laughs> it sounds like something I would like. So. To be honest, it especially when you judge international competitions. I mean, many of the bartenders come up with this new let's call it trends, mm. and when you have to drink like twenty of them, yeah. sometimes you're like. Oh, Come on, get me a good drink. It's like pfft. you call all this bada, and then you have lard. You have so many strange ingredients in your drinks, and you're like, "Oh my god, I need just a drink." <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's what I was saying the other day. I ended up just drinking rye on the rocks because it was, you know, it was enough yeah. already. Or, you know what? What's really interesting here in Russia is um, I have done two years ago a tour. I, I was traveling ten Russian cities, training bartenders in twelve days. So that was like twelve days without sleep, lots of vodka, and very interesting. <laughs> and every town we had like a hundred to hundred fifty people coming and listening to the seminars. Mm. And that's interesting. I also had a talk today to a gentleman from New Delhi. He's opening, he had opened a bar in New Delhi. So when you come to countries like Russia or New, New Delhi, like India or some, you know. It's totally different here. They have so so many bartenders, and the um, level of bartender or the the pay bartender get paid so bad. Mm. So they take these events so unbelievable serious mm. because for them, it's one of the only ways to come out of the massive group of just being a bartender to become something special and to get respected and earn more money. Right. So when you come here, it's always interesting. You taste so many drinks from, you have this, I call them the rich countries, don't get me wrong, like mm. Germany or, I don't know, America. Or mm. You often have this bartenders who don't take this event so serious, mm-hmm. which on one side is okay, they have fun. It's, it's also a good reason to have fun. Right. Then you come to these countries like Russia or India, and they take this, they train for weeks, and it's amazing. Then you see people perform, and you're like, oh, my God. Because they, that's their chance. That's their. Yeah. They 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 understand that this is something very important for them. Right. You know, it's that's really that always gives me lots of respect to see these people training. So it, uh, sometimes you sit there and you're like, oh my god, why why I'm sitting here? Why he's not sitting here? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, these these events are are great. Have you been to um, Tales of the Cartel? I'm ashamed. We uh, they also gave us an award. We won in 2008, like world's best new bar. Yeah, 
And I've never been there. I'm so sorry. I, I, every time, maybe, I'm not sure if I can go this year. I'm still oh, struggling. Oh, I wish you would. Yeah, if so, if so, I, I will invite you to drink. Yes, uh, that would be amazing. Yeah, but it's, I've never, I mean, this it's a very, I mean, very respected and well-known event in, in the bartender's world. But somehow I never made it. I'm, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> do, do you find it hard to uh, leave your bars? You travel so much. It must be hard to leave your bars in the uh, hands of It's others. tricky. So it's not hard because I'm very happy to say I have great people working for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do an awesome job. So I, it's really like in the beginning, that was when you opened your first place. I mean, that's also a learning you make. You know, you are away for two days and people are, hey, where's Mr. Meyer? Can Mr. Meyer make me the drink? Mm. So I decided that I don't want this kind of bar. I want I want a brand where people come to the bar because the bar is the brand. Right. They say, this is a great place and they always have great people. But, I mean, at least our industry is about great people. I, when I go to a bar, I always like to, to visit a person or maybe study the atmosphere like the guest. So, but... I'm not about maybe I don't go for drinks in, in in general. I like to when I know you're behind the bar, I would like to come and have a chat. Right. So and then I just maybe have a whiskey on ice, whatever, but I like that. Mm-hmm. So and we have great people, what we talked at the beginning, long experience. So a few of them worked for from the beginning with me. And so that's now cool because um for example, yesterday I was not there and also my head bartender was not in the bar because he had some private event. Mm-hmm. And it worked all smooth, and I got some emails that it's amazing, and I like that. It's oh, a very good feeling as an owner, not to that you don't have to be. Here. But on the other side, I have to say sometimes I miss it when I'm traveling too much because the the interesting thing is I I love making drinks and I love being there. Yeah, so. yeah I, I have the same feeling. You know, I, I love to welcome people into my, whether it's my home or my bar. It's um it's a great feeling, you know. But uh, just from a management point of view, I, I would think it'd be hard. A, fr- a friend of mine owned. Uh, the National Underground here on, on Houston Street in the Lower East Side. And then he opened uh, another bar in Nashville, and he was away opening the new bar. And the old bar kind of fell apart, you know. Uh, and, uh, it's tricky, yeah, it's tricky. And uh, he ended up closing the one in New York just because uh, he couldn't, you know, he, okay. he, he, I, he didn't have I people. Highly he believe, I highly believe that it's not possible a bar like the bars I like, also if it's not two, but they're in the same city. So I always say I, I open bars where I can go with my scooter, at least in the summer. Right. And <laughs> in the winter, I don't go with scooter. But um, because I, I think it's about you have to be there. Because, yeah, I think you do. Because of the customers, but also about the, the, the employees. Because right. you need to soak in, there are maybe some things going on between this and this guy and this is coming up some stress and if you're not I, I can see that if I'm traveling too much every time I, I feel like oh then I can see some mistakes popping up like right. you know there are some issues in the team or there are some issues with customers so it's still I think bar business as the way I love to do it is not about opening a chain or opening like 10 bars Yeah, I think that's tricky because it's very much related to, to the people who work for you. Yes, yes. I think we'll uh we'll leave it there. I appreciate your time so much and uh oh, I would I would be uh thrilled if you made it uh to Tales of Cattle or uh I will give you a notice. So first of all, <laughs> we have to bring you into PDT. Yes. Know, Jim, do you listen? <laughs> I'll send him the link. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah. and uh if not Tales of the Cattle, we'll meet up one of these days for for a drink. Please. Uh, Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. 
Yes, thank you very much. And I'm really looking forward for the next shows you put on. I really enjoy that. It's my pleasure. Okay. Oh, do me a favor. And you have to, I have to say, you have to give a super hug to Vano. Is it Vano? Vano, uh uh-huh. Vano, Vano, because Mm -hmm. I mean. You both rock. Uh, so uh, I, I, when you both have chit chats about your your life as a bartender, that's the coolest episodes. I, I I love to, I love to listen. Yeah, it's great when he's here in the studio with me, and we have more of those coming up. But I want to thank you so much. Thank well, you very much. Oh, thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the enjoy your time in Russia. I, I promise you, I do. I will. I will behave like a good bartender. I drink. <laughs> I have to say moderate, uh, just for official reasons. And I will tip well. And I will make people proud being bartenders because I think it's the best job you can do in your life. It is. It is, isn't it? Okay. Great. It was uh, thank, a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Yes. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now. All right. I can't thank Mr. Jorgmeier enough for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge and insight into the bar business and cocktails. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, speaking with him and I feel like I made a new friend, even though we haven't met face to face yet. But one day we will. So next week on the show, I got a chance to sit down with the CEO and the general manager of Cocktail Kingdom, which uh, if you don't know what that is, look it up, CocktailKingdom.com, and they sell some of the greatest bar tools in the world and high-end stuff uh, for professional and hobbyist bartenders, but mostly they sell to professionals. And uh, check out their stuff. As I said in the interview uh, with them, I find somehow their company is a lot more than just selling bar tools. Uh, They're really into the history of cocktails, and they have this amazing library of books dating back like 400 years talking about cocktails. So it's pretty cool. Uh, So that'll be next week on the show. So I'm Vince. You can get a hold of me at vince.bartender at gmail.com or on Twitter at barkeeptips. And check out our website, bartenderjourney.weebly.com. And if you can, do us a favor. Go to iTunes and give us some ratings, uh, as many stars as you feel we deserve. It goes up to five. Five is the most. Five. I'll just put that in your mind. And uh, please uh, maybe scribble out a little something, say something nice about us. We'd appreciate it. It helps us with the ratings on uh, iTunes. So, uh, And if you want to really do us a favor, go to our website, bartenderjourney.weebly.com, and check out our tip cup page and help support the show. We incur some expenses putting the show together, and we'd really uh, appreciate your support. Give us a tip. Cheers. We'll see you next week.